Western Christianity has spent the last 2,000 years telling everyone they're separated from God. This is Not Church with John and Nat Turney. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to uh, This is Not Church. This is John, and I'm here with my brother, Nat. Uh, normally, I say, say hello, Nat, but I'm not going to say that because we always get into that weird, hello, Nat. So how about you just say hi? Hi. <laughs> that wasn't awkward or weird. No, no not at all. Way to make that less awkward, John. Yeah. Jeez. Hey, hey, I'm not the one that did, I'm not the one that just I'm not the one that just did the hi. That was you. Okay. So I'm not the one making it awkward. Well anyway, we're all right, see, there we go. Already off the rate off off the rails. We are so honored and privileged to be here today talking with December Rose. And um I, I don't. I don't even know where to begin to explain uh, how cool she is. Uh, I just finished reading her book the other day, and oh my goodness, this is this is a book that everybody needs to pick up. It's uh, she self published the book. It's going to be re released under Choir um, soon, but you can pick the book up now, so you don't have to wait till it comes out with Choir. But I'm going to read you the bio that I, I grabbed off of Amazon for her, and then then we'll introduce her. December Rose is an author, poet, spoken word artist, and former pastor of the Restoration Center in Greenville, South Carolina, and the Rock Worship Center in West Union, South Carolina. At every opportunity, she is committed to reaching souls through love and truth, restoring lives through servant leadership, and equipping the body of Christ for righteous living through the teachings of sound doctrine. Her approach to the gospel is practical, realistic, and void of legalism and religious restriction. Her sole objective is to present the Savior to the world as she understands him, to spread the good news of God's grace to the world through radical truth. There is a kind of testimony and witness that can only be that can only come from brokenness. There is a level of compassion that can only be expressed by those who need it most. December Rose speaks for those who don't have the words, for whose voices have been muted by failure, rejection, abuse, and trauma. For those familiar with the darkness and fluent in pain, December Rose enjoys speaking truth to power wherever God opens the door. She welcomes opportunities to reach the, wor- the world with an unfiltered, radical approach to spreading the gospel. She currently resides in Lawrence, South Carolina, where she cherishes the constant love and support of her family and friends and the privilege of being the mother of two miracles, her nine-year-old daughter, Olivia, and her eight-year-old son, Israel. So welcome, December Rose. Uh, we are so honored that you are here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much um, for having me. I'm already enjoying y'all. <laughs> so thank you well, so good. much for having me. I'm oh, yeah. we're, we're, we're stoked. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know where to begin because like I said, I just recently finished this book. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm kind of still reeling from the book because honestly, I, I cannot tell you the last time I read a book that is that open, that honest, that transparent, that painful. I, 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 I'm just, I'm speechless in how good the book is. I usually, I'm writing down notes as I read it, right? I, I found, a, I found a spot that I highlight because it's really good. Uh, your whole book is like that. I'd be, the book would just be one big highlight because that's, <laughs> that's, I, I never found myself like going, Oh, that's a really good moment because the whole damn book was like that. Um, uh, just your, just your brutal honesty is basically where, what I, and, um, I don't know if you, I mean, this is, this is not even the right way to ask this question. I don't, I don't know if you were doing spoken word before you decided to write a book or vice versa, but there's definitely some of that feel to the book. There's some of that cadence, some of that rhythm. 
that comes from spoken word that I even feel in the book. I mean, you and there's some there's some intentional, especially at the end. I think you do it on purpose. There's some definite uh, spoken word at the end of the book. But how? Let's just start with just your um, your faith background and how you got to the point where you decided to, that you needed to write this book. Well, th- this is what I'm going to do. I have a I have a spoken word piece that I wrote called Bougie, <laughs> which is a uh, you know it's slang for bourgeois. I want to pronounce that word, with, you know it's you know a little yep. uppity, a little you know a little full of yourself or whatever. And it talks about how I'm spiritually bougie. And I ran into a quote one time. I I'm not probably not saying the quote exactly right, but she was saying that basically I can't be bothered with Christianity because I love Christ so much. Mm. And um, that that's the place where I'm coming from with this book. And you know what, just for, for, for you to get, this is a place where I'm coming from. I was doing the spoken word and all of that before I, before I started being, if you want to call it an author or whatever the case. So that's the background I'm coming from. I'm also coming from being a, a minister and a pastor. So those worlds are mixed together. And, you, and like you said, you could see or hear that in the book. I don't know about you all, but when I'm reading, when I'm reading a book, sometimes if the book is really good, my mind will create a voice for this person. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. I don't know, you know if you know what I'm talking about. And, yep. and you, your mind will create a version of this person that's speaking to you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, this is the place that I'm come from. I'm going to, I'm going to do this piece. I didn't have any intentions of doing this, but when you were speaking, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this piece so people know where I'm coming yes. from. And I wrote this years ago. This is before I was pastoring. This is just as someone coming up in the um, mm-hmm. Pentecostal church. You know, my faith background is very, I'm a mutt faith-wise. I was raised Jehovah's Witness, and then I went to like Pentecostal holiness. And then from there, I went to like, um, you know, well, no, apostolic holiness. You know, there's levels of legalism. Until, like, yeah, yeah. You went deeper and deeper. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm Baptist-costolic. <laughs> until, like, <laughs> until, until I'm just like, all the way out of it, to hell with all y'all in that pool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then I didn't taste it off all of it. Charcuterie trays. I'm done with all y'all. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> like this, this is this is called bougie, and this is this is my heart, not from where I'm coming from spiritually. And then the book is just a more. Um, and the other, the poem that I dropped in leading up to the book was this, this name, the same, the church can go to hell, was really me breaking up with the church in general. But I'm coming from this place. I'm spiritually bougie. No counterfeits and off brands. I'm not a Jesus Christ groupie, but a diehard fan. I go to all the games and all the shows. I pay through the nose to sit on the front row of faith because I can't wait to see Jesus on a stage of clouds backed up by a band of trumpets. And I can't wait to see my eternal crown of precious metal, jewel encrusted with stones of souls saved and one to the sun. That's why I'm selected to suggestions I take and advice I seek. Not every prophet can speak life into me because lies rest on the tongues of those separated from their crosses and all those itching ears that they scratch suffer losses of mounting damage and the death toll is rising because their swords did not choose life. Listen, I don't go to church bargain hunting. I come with my eyes and ears open looking for something. I want to be where the real word is. My soul will bear witness of where the real word lives. 
I don't come to service. I come to be of service. And I don't come to have church. I come to be the church. And yes, I got my nose in the air, but that's because my eyes are on the hills from which cometh my help. And no, I don't just go anywhere because where I worship reflects on how I care for myself. I don't have time for fighting and drama, busybodies backbiting politics in the church. And I certainly don't have time for a watered down word of head covers and skirts, illegitimate births, strange doctrines and faithless works from men and women who claim to be called but don't even know what the word is worth. Excuse me. I'm sorry about your feeding and ruffled shirts, but it's the truth I speak and I can't help if it hurts. And if you don't think I'm qualified to step on your toes, consider this my trial sermon because I already know I was born for this before the kiss of Judas on my Savior's cheek. Now I'm on the list, not that I chose God, but he chose me. And it's him I'm searching for in sanctuaries and storefronts, waiting for all the saints to come to the forefront. Holy Ghost filled, sanctified, and anointed, predestined, ordained, willing, and appointed, dead to the world, serving God with their life, tired of just preaching Jesus and ready to live Christ. Thank y'all. That's called bougie. Yeah, wow. Wow. That's the place where I'm coming from with my faith. If there was a poem, mm. even more than the Church Can Go to Hell poem, um, um, that would be the one that 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 says where I'm coming from. I'm tired of the Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. So many Amen. people are trying to get people to Jesus, but they never introduce them to Christ. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They introduce them to laws and legalism and church and tradition and rituals and uh, behavior modifications and all kind of stuff, but they never get introduced to Christ. You know what I'm saying? Wow. The, the one that died, the one that came down, the one that did what he did, the one that loves you right where you are. Not not when you get to come out the crack house and not when you um, stop being an alcoholic and not when you, not because you're in a same-sex relationship or not or whatever your case is, the one that loves you right here, right now, that one. And um, that's that's really where I'm coming from with this book and everything concerning my faith. Wow. I'm, I'm speechless. I mean, it's like... I First of all... Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, that I, yeah. I, I actually was going to ask you to do something like that, but I felt like that it would be presumptuous. I'm like, nah, she didn't come here to perform. She's, she, but I'm so glad you did. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't even, I'm like, John, I'm just, I'm sitting here kind of, I want, I'm, I'm replaying it in my head. It was so good. Um, I can't wait for people to hear that. So talk about this then let's talk about your breakup with the church. And, um, I love provocative titles of books. Um, I love it more when that's the least provocative thing about the book. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not, you didn't just hit me with a title, the church can go to hell and then go, ah, I got your attention. Now let's talk about some of this stuff. No, you, the, the book goes d- difficult places. So so if you wouldn't mind, just walk us through, give us the the bird's eye view of what what's the what is the book about? Well, basically there's, there's a place in the scripture um, where Jesus... And this is one thing um, that bothers me about the church in general, is the church has a lot to say about the world and what the world is doing. But Jesus didn't really talk about the world that much. Amen. He, he didn't. Right. You know, mm-hmm. the, church, I, I, the church needs to mind their own business. And their own business is kingdom business. And what you're going to see is that the scriptures that I read, I don't know about other folks, but the scriptures that I read, Jesus had more to say about the church folks than he did about the world. You know, whatever That's very he true. was rebuking somebody, he was really rebuking the Sadducees and the Pharisees more than he was rebuking anybody. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's um, 
to me, that's what that's that's where it comes from. The church can go to hell. That <clears throat> that scripture that's that's in the beginning of my book. That's just saying, you know, where Jesus is saying, you you all are hypocrites. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You teach the law. You won't lift your finger to help anybody. Yeah, you pay your tithes and offerings, but you forgot the weightier matters, which is justice and serving the poor and all this kind of thing. And um, it reminds me of you know, all this stuff, you know, and I'm not to get on any kind of, uh, you know, rant or anything, but it reminds me of all that, the religious stuff around, even around um, pro-life and pro-choice and all that. And I'm thinking, you know, I really wish the church would get out of people's bedrooms and get out of people's business. The business Amen. of the church should be to love God first and then love people. That's the whole entire business right. of the church, period. It's like, that's it. Right. Just love God first. And if you do that, okay, then you're going to obey his commands or whatever the case, and then love people. And then, you know, who, who was it who said um, who you believe in or, or that the fact that you're a Christian should be the last person that let your life say that about you, you know, if that's the case. Right, right. You shouldn't have to say that. You know, somebody, they should feel that. They should feel love. They should feel accepted. They should feel at peace in your presence. You know what I'm saying? Not judged, rejected, yeah. and guilty. And I, and I think yeah. that, you know, that's where I'm coming from with this book. And yes, the title is provocative, but like you said, that's the least provocative thing about it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we had, uh, we had Thomas Ordon a, a few weeks ago and, uh, the title of his book is God Can't. And I said, Oh, there's another guy with a provocative title. And, uh, you know, cause that's, that immediately has all these questions like, oh, what do you mean God what can't? Do do? What do you mean he can't? And then he, it's the least provocative thing about the book is the title. He goes into some great places that will stretch your mind and make you think. And um, I feel like, you know, I, I just feel like that that's that's what your book has the power to do, which is to to if people will honestly pull back and reflect. Right. I mean, you have to come into these things with an open mind and you have to come in saying, OK, I might, we might have gotten some things wrong. But what you said, I wrote down, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing that the church needs to mind its own business and its business is kingdom business. Yes. And because it, it drives me crazy that the one thing that should denote for the world that we are followers of Jesus in any way, shape or form should be how much love we have for them. And so often that's just not the case. Um, we've decided that Bruxy Cavey told, said, told me one time, he said that, uh, essentially what we've done is we've got love God, love people. And really Jesus boiled that down to love people because how you, how do you show, how, how do you show me that you love God at all, except how you love people? So too many people out there put love God at the top of their list and you can love God and still be shitty to people. You know, because my love of God, I love him so much that I, I I can't associate with those people. And now I have to keep a distance from those people because my love of God and Bruxy's like, listen, all that has to go. How about we start with loving people? And by loving people, we'll love God best. I'm like, yeah, I think you're right about that. So um, the message I, I hear coming from you is let's get back to kingdom business, which is how do we say, how is anything saved if outside of love? Yes. I mean, that has to be the driving force, right? That is. That is and has to be. And even when you're saying a church can go to hell, I still sense love in that. Yes. Well, and here's the thing about it, too, that um, people may miss. Because something can be or can do something, it doesn't mean that it is or will. Mm -hmm. So when I'm saying the church can go there, I'm saying they can go. They ain't got to. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but, but their know? current trajectory is that but way. You know? <laughs> well there's um in Matthew to get to the word of it, which I give um when you read the book, you'll see that I made my foreword by Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I love it's that. It's really the, um, uh, the book of Matthew uh, 23, 27. It says, woe to you, teachers of the law. And by the way, that's the, uh, this, the, the name of that poem that's on YouTube, The Church Can Go to Hell. It's woe. And it's the church will one. It's in, it's in reference to Matthew. But woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You were like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And this is what I think, you know, not of all churches, but of many, you know, whitewashed tombs is full of death. You know what I'm saying? And then what comes to you that is living, you kill it. Mm. You know, if someone is coming to you with a servant's heart or with joy or with wanting to love people without restriction or unconditionally, you kill that in them and they become disgruntled and stay there and become just as uh, legalistic and pious as you, or they leave and turn their back on God and the church altogether. You know, wow. and that's, and that's, you know, what I'm talking about when I say the church can go to hell, um, because that's what I gather that Jesus is saying is like, if y'all don't get it together, you know what I'm right. saying? You're going to end up where you trying to send everybody else. That's where you're going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's wow. I just ordered your book, by the way. So, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> so y'all got a chance to read it. I've had, I've had my, I've had my head so far in this business. We just opened and we just, na- I just naively thought I would have some time. And so for the last three and a half weeks, all I've done is work 18, 19 hours a day. And, and, uh, but we're finally coming. So you are the first interview post sabbatical. So, right. <laughs> and I was so excited when John was like, okay, we have something, we have December scheduled. And I was like, man, I'm not sure I'm ready. No, 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 we will make the time. So right now I'm here and my staff is handling what has to be handled in the coffee shop and I'm praying to God it's all good. But it, it, I'm so, so glad to have carved out this time for, for you. I'm glad you're my first interview back after about a month off. So um, getting me back in the saddle. It's been great. And I have not had a chance to read your book. I'm so sorry. Um, but it is, it just got ordered and I will devour it as soon as it gets here um, and tell everybody I know about it. So, and then by the time it comes out on choir, man, it'll be, hopefully it'll be great. I'm excited about that. Uh, honestly, uh, as you guys were talking, uh, I had actually, I had actually written down a few lines and it's just really weird. The few, the few quotes I grabbed from your book are exactly what you guys are talking about in that, that last part. So the two quotes that I grabbed out of your book were the chief, the church has a, has a bad habit of trying to ramrod Jesus into people's bedrooms, classrooms, uteruses, and voting booths. They do mm. this with zero example for Christ or instruction in the scripture to do so. I do not decide. I did not decide to have an abortion, but I don't judge anyone who does. Why? Because I understand. Even if I can't personally relate, I understand that that it's not my business what other people do with their bodies. And that goes into when you found out you were pregnant, um, which, um, like I said at the beginning of this, your book is raw. Your book is just, you don't, I couldn't write this book. Because I would be too intimidated to let people know my business, right? Yeah. Uh, um, 
But at the same time, there are times in your book where I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I totally, I connect, you know, not, not with that specifically because I'm a man and I'm not, I'm never going to have to deal with that. I'm never going to have to deal with um, the way people look at you if you make that decision either way. Right. I can't relate to that specific decision you had to make. Right. But you welcome us into that decision. You welcome us into that moment of despair and sadness and anger and all those feels, right? Everything that's going to be stacked on top of everything as you're trying to make a decision because you're in a, you're in a, in your mind and in a lot of people's minds who are in this position, you're in a lose, lose decision. Yes. Either one of your decisions is going to get a lot of people looking at you and telling you that you're a piece of shit and how dare you make that decision. So you're sitting there with the the Sophie's choice moment, right? You either choice you make is going to piss off a lot of people. That's right. And uh, first of all, thank you for being so open and honest and willing to put that into a book and let people read that. And, uh, and I'm going to start tearing up because I get, and I, I just, I'm just so connected and drawn to this, the way you write this. Can you just kind of give our, our listeners just a little bit of, how do you, and this goes on through the book. There are, there are decisions you're making like this, right? There are decisions made for you by really bad people who you thought were good people, right? Um, and then there's decisions you had to make because of what bad, bad things happened. How do you, how do you find the strength to move forward as you make these decisions? Um, I will say this: writing um, the book w- was exciting, but it was very painful. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Because I'm like, oh, reliving all that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, to go back, you know, I'm I'm 40 years old now, but you know, a lot of this happened. Uh, it, the book starts when I'm like 14. It goes way back, you know, and um, so you have to go back and try to think. And did I miss anything or this? And and there was as much as was in the book. I left a lot out. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah. that might be hard to believe based on how bucket naked I am in this book. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, my whole entire closet is just open. I'm just naked in this book. But believe it or not, I left a lot out. Um, but getting through the process, like you said, I wouldn't, I, I would have been, you know, I think you said something about I would have been intimidated to put that much of my business out there. And I was, especially when it came to chapter three. And I was like, my mama going to read this. And my <laughs> They don't even know about this. Nobody even knows that I had this relationship, you know, for a little, the better part of a year. Nobody knew about that. So um, I was like, do I really want to put that out there? And I was like, you know, this is this is important that I be as transparent as possible because this is the issue with the church. This is the exact issue with the church where they're giving you a vision of perfection that does not exist. And they want you to attain something that they have not attained themselves and then condemn you for not getting there. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, they got all kind of foolery going on at the house. Yep. You know what I'm saying? All kind of stuff going on, all kind of stuff going on with their kids and their marriages and their money and everything else. But they're painting this picture to you like, oh, you can get this life and we're so happy and praise the Lord. And I'm blessed and highly favored. And they ain't even talking to each other on the way home from church. They ain't right. even sleeping in the same right. room. 
and it's a bunch of bullshit. And so the, I, I was like, you know, I'm going to put this in the book so people know, you know, this is yeah. the life of a believer. <laughs> not just a believer, yeah, but exactly. someone who's pastoring because at that part that you're discussing about when I got pregnant, I was pastoring when I got pregnant out of wedlock. You know, yeah. so I'm pastors in these streets getting it on, you know what I'm saying? And I'm supposed <laughs> to be, <laughs> it ain't affecting how I'm putting the word out or whatever the case is, you know, but the people love me in that moment, you know, that was, and to this day, to this day, I don't pastor, uh, what's so crazy is I don't pastor that church anymore, but every single one of those people follow my ministry or whatever you want to call it to this day. If they get into a problem, they'll call me and they say, I still consider yeah. you my pastor. I say, well, what you need? You know what I'm saying? To this day. And that was because I yeah. love them. When you said love yeah. people, I love them. You know what I'm saying? I genuinely from my heart. And when you love people for real, that is God in the earth. That's God in the earth. When you love people for Absolutely. real. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and then there's a, you know, there's a level, uh, you know, and I think we all have stories that we could tell like this, where we, someone comes up and tells us a painful part of their life. Right. And you're just sitting there and you're listening and at the end of it, you go, I believe about a third of that because mm -hmm. it was, it was guarded. It was, it was, it was fake. It cleaned was, they, they said all the right words to make me yeah, feel sad. And, and, but, uh, every step of your book is the truth. And I can tell us the truth because you ain't hiding shit. The other thing I want to say, you know, anyone listening to this podcast is um, right in the beginning. I mean, like, I, I think it's chapter one where you talk about you and and the pastor, right? When you're when you when you turn basically legal, right? And there's that moment, and uh, half of the people reading the book that I, you know, that I that I that I know are going to want to close it right there. And go, yeah, 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 yeah. This book, this book's I not. Yeah, it. yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no. I, I can't, I can't go there. I can't. No, that's and probably the reason is it's probably too close to damn home. Mm -hmm. They've probably heard a story in their church. Someone's whispered in the back about, did you know about so and so and so and so? And but the church likes to clean all that shit up, right? And yeah. And, yeah. and and sweep it under the rug, put it under the altar, put it wherever. Um, and it's painful. And it's from like from the beginning of the book, but don't yes. stop reading it. Keep going, and you're gonna feel. Keep you're gonna, going. Keep going. Gonna and I'm wondering the, if yeah. I should read just that first paragraph, but should or should we let people buy the book? It's up to you all. Uh, that's but up I'm to you. I don't. Uh, whatever. Whatever. You, uh, when it comes to people's books, um, uh, I'm I'm open to whatever you want to do. Um, I'm I'm sometimes even hesitant to read quotes out of your book because again, I want people to buy your book. But again, I don't know. You're to, okay. What um, I've learned is that people will, they're going to buy it or they're not going to buy it. Right. <laughs> to give quotes, they might hit them somewhere, you know what I'm saying, in their life right. where they, they might need. If you're willing, maybe read that first paragraph. I'll read it. I'll read it. What I'm going to read before that is I someone bought my book and they started, you know how normally you just uh, fan the pages and get to the first chapter. Well, yeah, this person sure. actually started at the front, meaning the title page. And then got to the copyright page and said, I'm already feeling some kind of way on the copyright page. I was like, what you mean? Because on the copyright page, I have a warning in all caps. This entire book is a trigger. Enter in at your own risk. Wow. Wow. It's on the copyright page. I'm looking for so it. I want I nobody didn't telling see that. them they're me and saying this book threw them <laughs> into it. Look, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Before Unless you're you like get, John 
and you get past it. I just found it. But <laughs> this is one big trigger. It's one big like pointing at your face if you open it. No. And in my, at your own risk. In my defense, I, I must have read it because I, I read the disclaimer. So I must have read it. I yes. just don't remember reading it. <laughs> yeah, it's the first thing there is. Yeah. And, and then one other thing I want to read is there's a quote at the beginning of the book by Hugh Hollowell. And I don't even mm, know. This I, guy. I just Hugh. ran across this quote and I was like, I love that. And it says, every time we use religion to draw a line to keep people out, Jesus is with the people on the other side of that mm-hmm. line. I love that quote. And um, I love that quote. And I put it at the beginning because that's what a, this, that's really what the whole entire book is about. You know, just keeping it real with yourself, you know, so you can keep it real with people. You know, and God Amen. is God God knows what all's going on. So ain't no point in hiding it. You can't hide it from God. <laughs> right. So anyhow, the the first chapter of the book is shots fired. And the first um sub chapter is broken, and this is the way it starts. Damn, I'm all the way in the back of you, girl. And he was all the way back. Back when I noticed I was the darkest of my mother's children. Back when my father sent me my first bike from prison at five years old. Back when my first boyfriend broke up with me. I could keep going back. But the point is, I never left. This is that sinking moment when you realize you're not as grown as you thought that it was never about you, that you've gone too far, but feel powerless to turn around, trapped. Something in me needed to be loved so deeply that I was willing to give myself away in exchange for what I thought was love. So here I am, 18 years old, on my back, in the backseat of my pastor's car, losing my virginity. It hurt, but not like I thought it would. It hurt my soul, and I didn't even know what a soul was until then. I woke up. From a dream within a dream, consciously unconscious. It's almost like I ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because at that moment, when he said those words, I immediately became aware of the difference between lust and love. Not that I even knew what love was, but whatever love was, I knew this wasn't it. He asked if I was okay. And I said, yes, but we both knew I wasn't. I felt my hymen break that night and I've been broken ever since. That's it. You want to get wow. the rest, you got to read it. <laughs> oh and like I said, wow. there's going to be a lot of people who pick up that book and they're going to read that chapter and they're going to put, they're, they're going to want to put it down because it, it's, will be it's, so it's, wrong. It's, it's hard. Um, and the, and the sad part is I, and again, I'm, I feel like I'm repeating myself. But the reason why it's hard is because they know this is true. They know this is happening. They know this kind of bullshit. I mean, we see it. Time and time and time. I mean, I'm tired of pointing it out when we say, see, I told you, I told you that guy was speaking way too loudly about shit. He didn't even need to talk about because there was too much business going up inside in his, in his bedroom. Right. In his bed. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we, when I, and, it's like when I hear a preacher harp very harshly on homosexuals, I'm like, yep. that dude is gay. <laughs> just hold on. You just wait. He's talking about himself. Uh-huh. Right. There's like no need for him to be right? going off like that. There's a reason why he's going off like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Was that Shakespeare line? Methinks thou doth protest too much. Too much. We did. Yeah. You, there's much ado about nothing. Yeah. You know. 
you're doing too much. You're doing a, you're going, you're doing the most yeah. <laughs> on that right there. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying there's a reason why you're going over the top with it. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. There's something in you that you're fighting that you're preaching against yourself. Yeah. Not, you know, so, but well, yeah. I, I, I can tell you one thing. The, uh, I can't wait to get your book. First of all, people are savvy, you know, and they, they can recognize truth from lies. And when, when people try to be guarded about stuff like, uh, you just can't, you can't write a book like you wrote and not be utterly transparent. And I know it's difficult, but um, people sense the authenticity of it. I think I do just, just hearing you. Have you done an audio version of that book? Cause if you haven't, you absolutely should. I, yes. People have told me, oh, you got to record this book. You got to record this you book. Do. I'm and going to record it um, whenever the final version comes from choir. I'll record that yeah. version. And please, dear God, don't hire someone to do the voice. You need to do it. <laughs> I'm okay. serious. Don't let them talk you into hiring some quote unquote professional. Give me a break, okay. man. I want to yeah. hear your passion coming through because you just it just oozes out of you. It's just, my gosh. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. just amazing. It, it It reminds me a little bit of um, I read Felicia Merle's book. I'm not sure if you're aware of who she is. Uh, she wrote a book called Truth Encounters. Um, I'm not to write that down and get that. Yeah, she's great. Y'all should y'all should connect up. She's she's a, amazing. We had her and Mercy Aiken on the show um, a couple months ago, and uh, but but Felicia's book. I told her the same thing. I read through the first couple of chapters of that, and it was difficult. And what was weird was we've been conditioned as Christians to always assume. That as she's describing things kind of like you described, right? Where she's she's dealt with some abuse and she's been, you know, and she's actually walking through the process of going to an abortion clinic and she's going to have an abortion. And in my brain, I'm going, all right, when does she decide not to? Because mm. I know that's what's going to happen, right? I know that's because that's the way Christian books are written. Like mm. she's going to go, oh, and at the last minute something happened and I didn't, and I changed my mind. And, it, and no, but she's she's living a real life. And she walks you through the process of making that really, really difficult decision. And uh, my heart broke for her. You know what I mean? And uh, and and that's the sense I get from your book as well. Is that is that you're walking us, inviting us into this place of vulnerability and transparency, transparency where, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're, we're, our hearts are gonna break for you, but they're gonna rejoice when when God does what God does. Um, Anyway, just I, I just appreciate it, and I'm, I'm rambling again because that's all I can do when I talk to you is ramble. Because <laughs> you you just put me all out of sorts. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to have to get that book and see what I like about that. I haven't even read the book Truth Encounters, but what I like about that is it doesn't have that ending. Where it doesn't. My whole moment, and I I don't know. Some light hit the hit the blinds and shined through on me, and I knew that was the Lord telling me not. No, this is real life. I went through with it. Yeah. You know, I did yeah. that. And she doesn't spend and she doesn't spend two chapters apologizing for it either. No, you know? I did that and God she, loves me still. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's remarkable and it, like I said, I think you guys would be are, are a little bit kindred spirits in that respect that um, you know, I'm going to lay it all out there and you're going to hear all the good, the bad and the ugly. Mm-hmm. But what that means is for me when you get to the other parts of your story, um there's so much credibility there. Like, okay, you've laid it out for me. You haven't hidden stuff from us. You're not trying to paint a rosy picture. Um, this is somebody who's who's real enough and whose opinions I can trust. Does that make sense? I mean, and that's that's all we can really do, right? Is is bring our stories to the fore and say, you know, because I, I I'm working on a book of my own, and I I went back farther in my own life than I thought I would, and I understand like going back and like that's being somewhat cathartic, but it's also a little bit painful. 
like I hadn't thought about that thing in a while. Now I'm reliving it again. That Oh, that hurts to go through it again. So your willingness to do that is, I I just think is remarkable, but it's just, it's just amazing again, how, how I'll tell you that even as I'm reading the book and as I'm getting to the end of the book and because you, you drop some things that make you think you're like, maybe your decision is to not leave the church uh, because you're so open and honest about your feelings and your connections to church and your feelings and your connection to your community and uh, the way you connect with God, I'm like, okay, well, maybe, maybe at the end of this book, she doesn't walk away from church. I'm, I'm still not 100% sold that that's where this is going, and I love that you did that. Um, so it was almost at the to the end where I'm like, okay, no, no, yeah, she, she is, she's going to walk away. I literally was writing my way out of the church. I know that sounds weird. Were you writing this I book did. while you were still in? I was pastoring while I was writing this book. Wow. Okay. I- and um, I was pastoring the Rock Worship Center in West Union, South Carolina, um, now under the leadership of Pastor Brandon and Rebecca Massey, who I installed as pastors. And that's a, that's a, that's could be a book by itself, that whole entire situation. But, but I knew the book was going to be very controversial. I know my language in the book was very controversial. You know, I didn't, it, I'm not being clean how I'm talking about how I'm going through either. I'm just like, this is it. Right. You know, FI, y'all. This is the bullshit that was happening. <laughs> and so um, I was writing the book while I was pastoring. And I knew, um, I didn't know when the Lord was going to release me from that church, but I knew it was coming. And one night, um, it was midnight on, well, midnight between Friday and Saturday, December 4th and 5th. And the Lord was like, you know, and I don't know how God talks to y'all, but he, I hear him pretty clear sometimes. And he was like, you're released from that. And I called up my um, my best friend who also serves with me in business. And I said, I need you to be at the church tomorrow. It's going to be my last Sunday. And the way that God was working, um, he had this couple that come. We had the church sits on about 23 acres of land. And we were thinking of building um something called Victory Village, like a tiny house, little village for veterans who are dealing with homelessness. And the contractors that we had come up there, and even that whole situation, I don't have time to talk about how, but but all that was divine, was a husband and wife. Well, I met the husband first, and he was, he's a Christian, and he was talking about uh, things they were doing with ministry. They were talking about, um, a house they had built for like women's shelter or something. And the more I listened to him, I was just listening to him. And then God was like, that's the one. I was like, that's the one. He was like, yeah, that's the one. I was like, hmm, okay. So I invited um, him and his wife to come to worship service at the church, which was the Sunday that um, I was releasing myself from that position. And I installed them as the pastors on their first day visiting the church. Wow. Wow. So that's okay. a, I did a testimony about that's the first, that could be a book by itself. But on oh, December yeah. the 6th, I released a book on December the 19th. I left the church, stepped away from the pulpit on December the 6th. And on that day, I announced to the church and I said, this is going to be hard um, for everybody. And I, and I apologize for how you're hearing about this. And I'm sorry um, that I did not give you, you know, notice further in advance than today, but this will be my last day here as the pastor of this church. And I'm sorry. And they just started crying and it broke my heart. And I was like, oh my God. Um, You know, and I, (laughs) I brought the church up and I prayed for all of them and I thanked them all. And I said, uh, I called it Minister Massey. I said, I believe the Lord has given you a heads up 
in the spirit. If you didn't know why you were here, maybe you, at least I, I believe the Lord has given you a heads up. I said, are you ready for this assignment? And him and his wife said, yes. I said, come here, you know, and I, they came up and I anointed them. And I said, listen, I want to introduce you to your new pastors. This is Pastor Brandon and Rebecca Massey, and they're going to be your new pastors. I will not be back here in the position of your pastor after today. This is it. And um, introduced them. And there was also another ministry there called Upstate In Gathering, and they were meeting on Saturdays. And um, it was just, you know, it was a, a God thing. And that was it. I haven't pastored since. Now, I do, I have recently started a show called 90 Second Sermon. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, which just started, launched this past Sunday. And so I'm still ministering in different capacities and I still take speaking engagements. Um, but my audience is different and my approach to ministry is different. It's unfiltered. It's just raw. You know, I don't feel the obligation to be, you know, look a certain kind of way or sound a certain kind of way or um, upholding of these traditions and these rituals of the church. I'm just me. It's just me. Now you got to take it. You got to take it or leave it, love it or hate it now. You know? Yeah. No, I I love that because uh, honestly, at the end of the day, you know, God dang it. We've spent so much time quibbling over such superficial things like, you know, I don't know, a bad word. Oh my God, he said shit. You know, my favorite, t- my favorite quote from Tony Campolo years ago, he says, uh, I want to tell you three things. He says, first thing is last night in the world, 30,000 children died of malnutrition or, or, or something related to malnutrition. He said, the second thing is most of you in this room don't give a shit about that. And the third thing is most of you are actually more upset that I said the word shit than you are with the fact that 30,000 children died last night. Um, and that says pretty much all I need to know about the church. And I'm like, and what, what, here's what killed me is I had that visceral reaction when he said the word shit. I went, ooh. And I went, oh, God dang it, you're right. (laughs) Who cares? It's a fucking word. It's a word that somebody arbitrarily decided was not right or whatever. And yet we traffic in hateful speech every day. But because it doesn't conform to those four letters or whatever, it's not one of George Carlin's list of dirty words. You know, I can call people all kinds of F words every day that aren't obscene that are just as hurtful and hateful. Yeah. I can think of more hurtful things to say without using them than words than I could ever any string of those words I can put together. Way more, right? And 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 so when I hear somebody drop an F bomb or to say, you know, and I'll do it myself from time to time, I don't it doesn't even man, it doesn't even register on my radar anymore. But when I I tell somebody either through my words or my actions, you are a terrible person. You're never right. going to make it. You're just like your dad. You're worthless. I haven't cussed at all yet. Yeah. And, yet and you I sliced have them and that will probably stick with that child for the rest of their life. Right. I ain't what, cussed yet. Right. <laughs> so we need to get our heads straight about this stuff, you know, it's that, and, and, and stop, like you said, I mean, you, you made a really good point. I mean, the church has, the church has decided for too long that they have an image to present to the world. And that image is this sort of sterilized posture of, you know, everything is happy, everything is fine, everything is good. And we all know that everything is not right. That in your homes, things are falling apart. Things are falling through the cracks. Uh, Your marriages aren't perfect. You know, your kids aren't perfect. You know, you've, so enough of the disguises because all it does, and Paul Young does a great job of talking about this in the shack, you know, as we, as we just force each other to wear these stupid masks all the time, it just kills us on the inside. You know, we walk around leading these fractured double lives. And it's like, how about we just get honest with each other for once? 
you know, and it's for once, right? Please, dear God. And if we're just, if we're just, you know, if we just can be honest, we, we can look at statistics, right? Statistics show you almost across the board that every, every, you know, divorce rate, suicide rate, um, yeah, it's all the same in the church. You name it. Or, or worse. The percentage worse. is the same, if not worse, in the church than it is outside the church because the church is spending too much time hiding it and not talking about it and pretending like it doesn't exist uh, because they have to have this image that they are above the world, better than the world, apart from the world. And that's just, it's just not true. And as long as we, as long as we continue to teach people who sit in the pews that they need to be better than the world, they're going to be dishonest. They're not going to tell, they're not going to tell the truth about what's going on in their lives. And they're going to continue to stay in abusive relationships. They're going to st- stay within, you name it. And we're not giving them the opportunity to tell people and give them, give them the opportunity to, to open up their hearts so we can see the true nature of who and what's going on so we can help. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, there's a part. Um, I want to read another portion of the book, if that's okay. Of course. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can do what you want. It reminds me, <laughs> it reminds me of um, what we're saying. It's, it's remind, it, what we're talking about just now reminded me of this part in the book because just that image and what it's given off and how the church can be so... It's supposed to be something where everybody is welcome, but it has so many levels of exclusivity. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. You know, so many big eyes and little U's and just, you know, all that hierarchy that, yep. that God did never set up. So anyhow, there's a chapter in the book called Shake the Dust. And um, this is me on my way out of the church, you know. <laughs> Shaking the dust but, from your feet. Shake the dust <laughs> from your feet, <laughs> you know. And the subchapter is the penis in the pulpit. <laughs> all right yes yeah, so i'm gonna read just a little bit of that and then we Please. can talk about it um it says i spent hours studying biblical accounts of women in ministry i researched articles and publications that align with what i know i sought out historical figures to present like show and tell i reached for voices that would affirm my own i almost took the bait this chapter almost became a theological dissertation of apologetic exegesis But in this moment, as I write these words, I just became aware of who I am. If the fruit doesn't explain it, then you don't want to understand. And see, that's that part where that little spoken Mm -hmm. word part becomes in there. (laughs) 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 Who am I that I should attempt to justify the indiscriminate distribution of the Holy Spirit as if God's word requires vindication? Who are these so-called saints that have the audacity to put a restriction on the flow of the anointing? Who are these traffic police, mall cops, and self-appointed security guards of the gospel? Which one of you have elevated chromosomes above the agenda of the creator? Where were you when God formed me in the womb? How dare you stand at the entrance of an empty tomb and disqualify the voice and vessel that brought you? Now, that's a reference to those who are in their word. To when uh, Mary and them came and told the apostles that he wasn't in the, right, he wasn't right. there anymore. You know, so they were they were evangelists in that moment. You didn't even know that he rose. It was a woman that brought that word to y'all. Yes, it was. <laughs> so <laughs> I see them coming a mile away. They have convinced themselves that their robes and colors mean something. 
their chins tilted at the exact angle of false humility, creases sharp as the edges of the cross in their left pocket. These motherfuckers think they something. What is it about the combination of a penis and a pulpit that elevates their opinion of themselves? What I don't understand is how in the world you can read the word of God, preach the word of God, and still have your ass on your shoulders like your shit don't stink. If you really read what's in that book, it'll make you humble to know that there's nothing at all you can do to earn the love of the good, good father, but he's steady loving us anyway. And that's a part out of Shake the Dust. Oh where my I'm just gosh. talking about how freaking agitated I am by this this concept that I've grown up with and having people tell me women aren't supposed to be pastors and blah, 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 you know, and all that other crap, you know, right. and just dealing with that whole concept. And then from there, I go into dealing with the legalism and how it's oppressive and stuff like that. And so I just thought wow. about that chapter while we were talking. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, once again, speechless. Wow. That's the, that's the word of the day, John. It's normally, n- normally our catchphrase of the day is bullshit. Um, <laughs> because we, that's, that's one of our favorite words, but this whole show has just been, oh my God, speechless. How do you respond to that? Um, wow. Well, this is how I respond. This is how I'm going to respond. Um, Ralph, if you're, if you're, if, if you're listening to this, Ralph, which I hope you do, Ralph, um, your audiobook should be done in a series of spoken words. Oh my gosh. Ooh, Your audiobook is gonna be so good. I would pay oh my gosh. To get to get I'll buy three copies. To get uh <laughs> like a series of this as opposed to like one slammed out yeah. audiobook where you guys do some like really good uh the way you did the church go to hell with that with, is a great idea. I'm writing this down. So listen when I get when I get a uh what do you call it? Uh when I get a Grammy for this audiobook. Yeah yeah <laughs> I want to give it to Nat and John. I'm going to say, oh, I want to just thank Nat and John. Because this, uh, your whole book, I mean, when you read it, first of all, and, and that's 100% right, every author should read their own book because nobody knows the way it was written and why it was written that way except you. Uh, the tone, the the inflections, all of that are... are yeah, all that. You, it's yeah, in your head. That. You already know how it sounds. You know, I mean, for me. Yes. And well, and my, I have to tell you something funny. Um, my mother, you know, who my ability to string cuss words together in a wonderful combination comes from her. Um, <laughs> oh, God bless her. God bless that woman. Well, the, the combination she could put together for you. <laughs> Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you creative. got something for you. Go on and roll up on it the wrong way if you want to. You know what I'm saying? So. Anyway, um, she's reading my book for the first time whenever she got her copy. <clears throat> and um, she's getting to the end and she got to that. And she called me like 11 something at night. And she didn't even say hello. She didn't say nothing. She said, these motherfuckers think they something. <laughs> I just started laughing. I just started laughing. She said, girl, I heard you. I heard, I look, let me hang up. That's all I called to say. I was like, that's all you called to say? She said, that's all I called to say. And they do think they something. They ain't shit. And hung up. <laughs> they ain't shit. I was like, I was like, that's right. She's like, anyway, let me get back to reading the book. I was like, okay. That was the whole conversation. 
so oh funny. my goodness. Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus. my goodness. That's it. Now, now, my conversation with my mother would have gone a little differently. It would have been, are you trying to hurt me? Are you trying to embarrass me in front of all my friends? We don't say MF in this house. Lord have mercy. Like, well, we just did. So, you know. Well, there it is. I, I, I put about, I, I strung about three or four. I, I was actually talking to my writing coach and I'm like, hey, uh, I put some, I put some profanity in this book. Um, tell me if it comes off as authentic. I don't want to sound like I'm just, you know, trying to be edgy. Mm-hmm. And there was something, she's like, no, nah, no, it's about the right amount. I'm like, okay, there's more. I have a lot more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want to pour I, a little more, I sprinkle some more on there. I can't, I can't go quite as far as these motherfuckers think they're whatever, but um, <laughs> I'd be like, gosh darn it, these fellas think they're something special, don't they? I'll put my, yeah. I'll, I'll put my little spin on it. So, man, oh, now I'm really upset with myself for having not read the book yet, so. Uh, I'm I'm gonna remedy that soon, but I cannot wait for the audio version of this book. I might hold off and wait for that. Just you because might, you might want to. Nah, and I think I'll go. <laughs> well, um, my I think for me, luckily, what I I, I listened to your spoken word before. So you heard her voice in it. What so you're doing, I heard your you? voice. Your voice is what <laughs> I heard. You know, like you were saying, sometimes you kind of make up the voice as you go along. I, I didn't have to. Because I knew yeah. exactly the voice that was that was that was saying these words, and uh, so I had your voice in my head as I was reading this book. And it, it I, anyway, I would I would suggest that if anything is uh, maybe listen to a couple of the spoken words yeah. before you read the that. book. You'll yeah. you'll definitely yeah. have the right voice. Uh, it'll it'll all it'll all click for you. Um, well, I, I I know that you Man. had a, a, neg- a prior engagement. And I don't want to I don't want to hold you too long, but. Uh, I think Nat and I would agree. We we could talk to you for another hour, easy, just just shooting oh, the shit easy. and not even caring about what we're talking about. <laughs> but uh, we don't want to keep you too long. So before we go, just make sure everyone can get in touch with you if they want. I'm assuming you have a Facebook presence, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. Well. I, I do have Instagram, but I got to do better about Instagram. I I'm not on there like I should be, but I'm getting ready to ramp up all my social media. I'm on Good. Facebook as December Rose, and that's D E S I M B E R Rose. I'm also on there as Uncommon Gospel, and I'm starting oh, okay. a YouTube page um, probably next week called Uncommon Gospel, and that's the ministry that the Lord has given me now. Um, and it's going to be just like we've been talking now, you know, it's an uncommon gospel, meaning it's love, it's life, it's light, but it's also real and raw and rugged, Great. you know, yeah, because that's absolutely. life, <clears throat> yes. you know, and so God has given me exactly. the assignment to preach an uncommon gospel. So that's my ministry now, uncommon gospel. So that that's where I am, December Rose and uncommon gospel on all okay. social media platforms. Great. I mean, we, we will absolutely link to everything in the notes for the, for the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and I put a link there for the spoken word that you yeah. have to go to hell. Well, let's uh, let's uh, let's can we sk- can we schedule to have you back? Um, like I don't know, closer to the time your book comes out again. If I don't want to have to wait that long, but um, I would love to talk to you again when well, just just because I enjoyed it so much. So anytime, anytime. But you can come back just before it drops or right. After it drops, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. the, uh, the next three or four months. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, whatever little bit we can do to promote and help. I mean, it's it's not a ton, but we'll do what we can because I think this is a uh, man. It just needs to be heard, and, and people need to uh, 
I don't know. We just I, I feel like a groundswell of something is happening inside the church. I don't know if you feel this yes. too, yes, but I do feel like this sort of clarion call to um, authenticity in the church. Enough of the plague, enough of the playing around, enough of the masquerade and the, and, and, and the disguises and the people are tired of it. And uh, so voices like yours are super important in that because it reminds us that, you know, um, that we just we we need that that authenticity and that realness in what we're doing. Otherwise, uh, you know, I just don't think people buy it anymore. You know, and so anyway, that that's 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 my two cents. I really really enjoy it. Thank you for listening to This Is Not Church. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. If you would like to partner with us, visit Patreon.com/slash This Is Not Church where you will receive exclusive content such as early access to episodes, videos of upcoming episodes, and live Q&A sessions. Be sure to check out our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another episode.